Hello, Charlie Gladstone here, and welcome to my Mavericks podcast. Here I am again. This week's edition is the first of a number of special editions that were recorded at this year's Good Life Experience. I hope that some of you listening came and um, had a good time. It was a great success this year. We absolutely loved it. It's incredibly exhausting, and I'm recording this about 12 days after the festival, and I'm still recovering. I think there's something about the fact that we've chosen um, as families, Karis and Steve's family and Caroline and my family, to actually run and produce the festival ourselves that makes it special for us, and I hope special for the guests, but, but also makes us absolutely exhausted. A couple of years ago, I woke up on the Tuesday morning after the festival and realised I couldn't actually really physically move. I was so exhausted, and I'm not sure that that's ever happened to me before. But anyway, it's worth it because it's absolutely brilliant and all of the guests are brilliant and all of the speakers are brilliant. Anyway, I am usual, as usual, anyway, as usual, I'm rambling on. In 2017, I thought that I would make a number of different interviews at the festival and I took my podcasting re- recorder down to the site and I managed to do not one second. I realised that I was just far too busy essentially running my areas of the festival to do anything and so this year my good friend Jim Friend, my editor, suggested that he came up and did some interviews and he did loads of interviews over the course of the weekend. You may have seen him, Um, he was the handsome young one running around with the podcasting kit and he talked to lots and lots of people and so we've edited these together and here are a series of about 10 short conversations with both speakers and guests at the festival. It may interest you to know, if you don't already know, that next year we're going to make a slightly smaller festival. We all feel that we want to keep the essence of the thing right and have slightly less people and make it just as engaging and just as magical and move it, in fact, to a slightly more beautiful site, so more beautiful. And we think this is the right thing to do. The sort of natural instinct is to try and make things bigger and bigger, but but with that, A, I think you lose fair bit of the essence and B of course comes huge financial risk which none of us want to do because that isn't why we started the good life experience. Anyway, to start off with Jim spoke to Roger Phillips. Roger Phillips is possibly the greatest expert in the world on mushrooms. He's come to the festival five years running and he does an amazing forage led by him and his wife Nikki and maybe a hundred people follow him and they bring all the mushrooms back and he then cooks them on the campfire. And it's always one of the highlights. Roger is not only an absolute expert, but one of the most charismatic people you will meet. So here is Roger Phillips. My name's Roger Phillips. I'm 85 now and I've produced about 50 books altogether. But My main subject, or the best-known subject, is mushrooms and fungi. And that's what I'm doing here at the Good Life Festival. I'm going to do a walk collecting mushrooms with however many people turn up, maybe 50 or 100, and we'll go down into the woods and I'll help them identify the fungi. And then we'll come back and if we find some edibles, we'll devise some recipes and cook them at the campfire cooking. I was a wartime young kid 
And um, in about 1941, 1942, I was living on my grandparents' farm in Hertfordshire, and we had terrific mushroom years for field mushrooms. And we went out and collected them, ate all we could, and then we discovered that we could collect a milk bucket full, and the man who collected the milk every day would take them away and sell them and come back the next day with money. So there I was, eight, 10, 11 years old, um, making a little bit of money out of mushrooms, pocket money, but you know. My parents came from Lancashire, and so they were very keen, or my father was particularly keen, on the sort of really characterful things. So he cooked tripe, um, he would buy a pig's head and um, break it down and make brawn, which I love. My mother wasn't so keen. In fact, when we cooked tripe, she used to go away and come back the next day. She couldn't stand the smell of it. The British were very slow and bad at eating wild mushrooms. Nowadays, people do. But, um, you know, the French always ate seps, the Germans always made ate chanterelles and the Swedes and so on. But we never ate woodland mushrooms at all in Britain. Um, up until, I don't know, 40, up until I published my book, some people say. I, I'm not academic, so as I say, I went to art school, so I'm sort of slightly anti-academic. So I don't use long words. I mean, when people describe mushrooms, they refer to the stem as a stipe in academic books. Well, it's completely unnecessary. We have a perfectly good English word. So in my book, I use all the English words but I use the academic Latin names. So I'm trying to make it available to everybody, but of a proper academic standing. This is my fourth year at the Good Life Festival. And I think it's the most laid back and most enjoyable festival. I mean, I love we're sitting here by the children throwing straw about. I love it, I think it's marvelous. And dogs everywhere. You know, it's such a relaxed and friendly atmosphere. I mean, Keris organises the music, and the music side is fantastic. I love that as well. So that's really in the evening, isn't it? During the day, it, the day is full of wonderful things to do. People chopping logs and shooting bows and arrows and God knows what, making belts. And at the moment, I mean, I don't only write on mushrooms. I've done a book on wild food and... That also is a sort of standard work. I did it about 35 years ago, and it's still in print. And I'm doing a new book on sort of food experiments, finding special and interesting things. And I need a plug at this point, because I'm doing it with um, Unbound, who are the, they're here at the festival. Um, it's a crowdfunding publisher. So you actually have to pre-sell the book before they produce it. I hope all your pod followers will subscribe to the book. One of the people that I was really pleased to be able to get to come and speak at the festival this year is Alex Gregory. Alex is the author of a book called Dad Adventures, but in many ways he will always be best known for the fact that he won two gold medals at successive Olympics in rowing uh, in 2012 and 2016. And like so many stories in life, 
His story is one of immense hardship and a lot of failure before he smashed through and made a real success of his career. I think that so many people think that success is a straight trajectory and things get better and better with every year, but that isn't always the case. So here is Alex. My name's Alex Gregory. I'm double Olympic gold medalist from rowing uh, and I'm an Arctic rowing explorer and the author of Dad Ventures. Uh, and I was speaking on the academy stage. I pursued a career in uh, Olympic rowing and I, I, I had a two-part career. I had the first eight years where it was a disaster, absolute disaster, failure after failure, letting people down and a disaster. And then I had a seminal moment when I was a reserve in Beijing in 2008 and I discovered some things about myself and about what I was trying to do and why I was trying to do it. Things turned around very quickly and then I had a very successful eight-year career, two Olympiads. I won two Olympic golds and five world championship titles in that time and actually I was one of three people in the world to win every major event in those two Olympiads. The other two people were New Zealanders and they were in a boat two-man boat themselves and then there was me, great British rower and I was in eight different boats with 20 different crewmates. So that's one of the, my most proud things that I managed to find a way to make teams and make crews work. And then I retired after Rio in 2016 and I didn't know where I was going, what I was doing, who I was. Uh, it was a very stark difference to, to my, life, my previous life. It was my choice to stop, so I felt very lucky to do that, but I had to figure out a future. Uh, I took part in an ocean expedition in the Arctic in 2017 where we where I got seven Guinness World Records but to me that wasn't the thing the thing that really that that expedition gave me was a realization of what is truly important to me in my life and for me that is my three children uh, my three children and spending time and making the most of the time with my three children that is now my priority and that is what I've based my book about dad ventures uh, and very quickly, my book, Dad Ventures, is a guide for parents, uh, mums, dads, aunties, uncles, to do things outdoors. Uh, and because I believe that spending time outdoors is where memories are really made. And that's where, uh, that's what children remember. Children want your time more than anything. They don't want things, they don't want presents, they want your time. Yeah, here at the Good Life Experience, it is absolutely everything that I hope for uh, in the time that I try and spend with my children because it's not about what necessarily about what you do and how you do it. It's just about spending time together and doing different things, different things that your children might love or they might not love, but it's the time that you spend together with them. Um, I was watching a guy, I was transfixed by a guy sharpening a knife. And uh, I have talked about pen knives in my book because I believe that introducing young children to using knives and, and, and treating knives as a tool is quite an important lesson. Important for this, their safety growing up, of course, but it's also an, a, a useful lesson because treating a, a knife, a potentially dangerous item like that, teaches them all sorts of different things about how to be careful with objects that, they don't ne that aren't necessarily toys or aren't necessarily, they don't necessarily have free reign over. So this is a perfect example of trying out all different things and crafts and, and uh, experiences. My dad was forever telling me to look at the clouds, look at the trees, look at the sunset, 
look at that, isn't that beautiful? And I would say to him, oh, shut up, Dad. Oh, stop talking about the trees. I, I didn't know which trees they were. He'd always try and test me, and it was just annoying. But now, looking back at it, I realised that that was such a valuable exercise. I didn't appreciate it at the time, but now it's exactly what I do every time I'm out with my children. Look at those trees, look at the clouds, look at the sky, look at the sunset, look at those weeds poking through the pavement if we're in a town. Look at that little woodlouse on the wall. When you start pointing things out to children, to young people, they start noticing things that they would have glossed over before and not noticed. When they start noticing things, they start caring about these things. They start caring about the woodlouse or the little plant growing up in the pavement. And then when they start caring about the environment that you walk through, the environment you live in, they start wanting to protect it and look after it. And I really do think that I care about where I live because of my dad pointing out those things. I love technology. I think it's brilliant. And I think our children need to know about technology. My son, who's eight, he does lessons in class um, on the iPad. He needs to be able to navigate the connected world, but I think you have to balance that up with things that are available at this Good Life experience, at this Good Life festival. Uh, you Making things with your hands, spending time outdoors, camping in a tent, whatever it is, I think you have to balance up technology with those things. And when you do that, then it's fine to spend a bit of time watching YouTube, learning something on YouTube, playing a computer game. I think those things are fine, but as long as it's balanced up with the things that are available here. Coming up for me, I'm trying to promote my book as much as possible. I have to spread the word. I don't feel like enough people know about it. I feel like it, I'm passionate about it. I feel like it's a good thing. So I want people to know about it. Um, uh, there's, I have more books in me as well. I have loved the process of writing, writing a book and, and, uh, and sharing my thoughts, I think. Um, so I would love to do another book. Um, but also I'm, I'm quite interested in giving people opportunities to experience unusual and exciting things in life. I think now people are realising that experiences are precious. And it's not just things we want, it's experiences. So I would love to be able to somehow take people to unusual places around the world, maybe parent and child, and have these moments, these memory-making moments in unusual and perhaps even extreme environments, but safe, but based on my Arctic experience and experiences in my life, I would love to provide opportunities for people to do that together. So that's a kind of a project I'm working on long-term. Dave Gutteridge is known as DJ78. He is someone who has played his beautiful record players with his original collection of 78 records at every single Good Life experience. You'll see him if you've been wandering around in an immaculate three-piece suit and a beautiful pair of leather shoes, looking quite unlike anyone else. But he's really a part of our Good Life family, and so here he is. My name's Dave Guttridge, uh, I'm known as DJ78 and I'm here at the Good Life Experience uh, for the fourth time. Um, I'm playing records on my wind-up gramophones to anyone who cares to listen and uh, I've just this minute finished a lovely interview with uh, Keris Matthews uh, in the Academy tent. During the talk uh, with Keris I was able to take myself right back to why I do what I do and where uh, I've discovered the music and, and ended up talking about 
the amazing things that you can find at this particular festival. My first memories of music were my father playing me um, strange old country and western songs, uh, things by Johnny Cash, um, gunfighter ballads and things like that, which, which kind of sparked my interest in older music. And because I was growing up in the 70s, um, I was a bit of a punk. And uh, as, but as well as listening to stuff like Sex Pistols and Buzzcocks, I would be listening to uh, Duke Ellington and strange old jazz stuff. I suppose to the outside world, um, what I do is what every other DJ does, essentially. I have two decks, except mine are wind-up gramophones, and I will literally just go through a set and choose the records as I go from boxes of records I bring with me. Um, the, the sound and the technology, though, are, are such conversation starters, and it's a very social thing because I'm working on a little uh, portable picnic table. People could come over and actually examine the records, talk about their memories of the music they grew up listening to. Um, and it's a really evocative sound because there's the surface noise and the imperfections in the audio, which kind of give it that wonderful period feel. And I was lucky enough when I started doing this about 20 years ago to coincide with quite an upsurge in um, vintage fashion. And so what I was doing kind of tied in a little bit with what people were doing when they were dressing up and going out and reviving old-fashioned dancers like Lindy Hops and uh, doing Charlestons and things like that, which wouldn't have been heard of in the 60s and 70s. The Good Life Experience is a festival unlike any other that I've ever been to. I, I do a lot of festivals and have been all over the place. There's something about it that feels like family. Um, it's a really, it's an overused concept, but it feels like you're coming back to a really friendly, warm environment. The music you discover here and the other, the crafts you discover here, which you never believed you would be interested in are amazing. Like this afternoon I've, I've signed up to my first ever workshop. I've been coming four years, I've never done a workshop. And so this afternoon I'm gonna do a calligraphy workshop, which is, you know, it's quite low amounts of physical effort, which appeals to me, but, uh, but you'll actually get something out of it. And my father, going back to him, was a sign writer. So I've kind of got that, that lovely, um, run from him to now and I, I think he'd be really pleased that I was doing that here. I think what happens at this festival is that people reconnect with something that's been lost a lot of the time. They, they don't have the opportunity to just stop for an hour and do something like read a book or uh, look at someone making a bowl or you know have a go at it themselves. In our busy lives we just don't have time to do that so here you've got every excuse to and just wander into a tent and not feel guilty that you're, you're not watching a band on the main stage. And because the festival is about so much more than that band on the main stage. And the bands on the main stage are great, but you don't, you don't feel like you have to be there and stake your place at the front of the stage. At the moment, it's, it's interesting because it, the way I dress, because I'm, I'm dressed in a, although you can't see me, I'm dressed in a tweed three-piece suit uh, with a pair of really nice brogues and people kind of expect me to go home and listen to nothing but 1930s and 40s jazz and read you know the great Gatsby every night um, but actually I, on the way up here uh, I was watching um, American Gods on Amazon Prime uh, I, I listen some of the bands that I've discovered this weekend there's a band called Audiobooks who I saw in the Caught by the River stage who just blew me away because they were unlike any other band I've seen. And they, if you can't get more up to the minute than that, 
Um, but no, I, my, my musical tastes and culture tastes are so broad. And this festival is so good for that because you will find a little bit of everything here if you go searching for it. Of course, it's not just the speakers and the performers that make the good life great. And I always say this, and it sounds a bit cheesy, but it really is true that it's the, it's the guests that make it all work. It's everyone coming together. You can say that of a party, can't you? And that, I suppose, is a great model for this. It is a big party that you can have the most amazing band and lights and flowers and food, but if the guests aren't right, then the party isn't gonna go. So we thought it was important to speak to some of our guests this year. I think this festival is about kind of outdoorsy things and craft and the old-fashioned um, ways of doing things and um, stuff like that. And it's quite a, it's a very dog-friendly festival. <laughs> For me, I would say to somebody that's never been to a festival before that it's very family-friendly. You know, there's a free vintage fairground rides. There's axe throwing, there's archery, they're all the various things that you don't get to do every day. We've been previous years and they've been really good acts on, but later on, yeah, we'll be rocking along to Cuddly Toy with Roachford, <laughs> hopefully. Um, and then, yeah, the Go team are always good, the videos are really good, so we're looking forward to seeing them. And then we've got Norman J, Norman J DJing uh, this evening, so we're looking forward to seeing that as well. Uh, my name's Rosie Hakes and we've come down from Sheffield. Yeah, uh, my name's Lauren Berry and also from Sheffield. First impressions are just amazing because there's so many things to do. Um, I think we've been doing a lot of music festivals over our time but have gone for like rock festivals and things like this and I think we've got to that stage where we just really like to do little different workshops and there's loads of different craft things to do and um, the music last night was fantastic. We saw a lot of Kansas Smitty's band and um, he was just great and then they all do their separate bits as well so loads of different live music and yeah, we've really enjoyed it so far. Yeah, people want to experience more. They want to take part in the crafts. They want to take some stuff home. They want to learn some new skills. Yeah, I think you get to actually get something out of it and take something away from it. So you learn, learn a new skill or do something you've never done before, whereas you may have been to a lot of different music uh, sort of gigs and everyone's different, obviously, but I feel like you can actually sort of take something away that you can sort of show. I think yesterday, like Lauren said, we loved the Kansas Smitty band and there was a lot more dancing actually than we'd pictured from this festival so we went and explored all the crafts and things but then we actually just had a really good dance yeah, um, yeah so Trevor Nelson good range of drink as well like different ales and gins and ciders and so you're not just drinking carlings the whole weekend you're actually you know able to drink what you would drink at home or yeah and it's nice there's so much more space to explore than other festivals you don't feel squashed in or pressured to go and do all these things you can just wander around at your own leisure um, and relax a bit yeah so we've just got here this morning we've made a plan for the day we've got an action-packed afternoon we're trying to work out how to fit it all in we're trying to find how we can get time for a wild swim and still get some delicious lunch um, we're about to go and do the choir, yeah. uh, which was another highlight of yesterday. We're going to do some bow and arrow making. Um, see Ben Fogel. Yeah, uh, Ben Fogel, Jeff Buckley's manager. Um, and then see where we get to. Another part of our Good Life family are Kirsty and Steve of the extraordinary Axe and Paddle Craft Collective. I first actually met them several years ago in the Greenfields at Glastonbury. Not a lot of people talk about the Greenfields at Glastonbury, but 
They are an absolute hive of activity for some of the best craftspeople and makers. And there's something very charismatic and striking about Steve and Kirsty, and they have hosted a large area at the festival for the last four years. So here's Kirsty. Um, so we are Axe and Paddle. It's myself, Kirsty, and Steve, my husband, that run it. Um, we've been to the Good Life fourth year running now. Um, we usually do uh, bows and arrows with kids, spoon carving with adults, fire lighting with all ages, and um, earring making too, feather earring making. Um, and that's always been really popular here. Um, and last year, the, the idea was to grow the craft area a little bit. So we've brought along this year seven other craftspeople with us who've all got their own setups running their own workshops. Um, so we have um, pedal powered stitch portraits, a herbalist, uh, macrame, blacksmithing, coppersmithing. Our most popular is the bow making. So the kids, it's a half an hour slot and the kids come along and um, they learn some knife skills. They get to learn a little bit about wood um, and a little bit about a, a bow itself. Um, they'll, they'll tiller the bow, which means sort of bending it. And they'll learn a couple of knots as well along the way and, uh, and then to fire their arrows as well. And our arrows are quite fun. They've got foam balls on the end so they can quite happily shoot them at their parents and nobody seems to mind. <laughs> People find especially the fire lighting incredibly rewarding and it is it is amazing to see the face of someone who's just lit fire using a flint and steel traditional methods the face of a five-year-old is exactly the same as a 50-year-old just that look of wonder in their eyes it's um it's quite special to see it's really good fun but the good life is over the last four years that we've done it it's become our favorite our absolute favorites at some other festivals that parents are trying to offload their kids a little bit so that they can go to the bar but here it's completely different uh, the whole family are really interested in having something to do and something to do together um, so it's a really really nice family vibe to it and they're really into their craft here as well which is good for us anywhere you go you can walk home with a souvenir but it's so different to walk home with something that you've actually spent a bit of time learning how to make and have made yourself um, so for them to have left the good life having made a carved a spoon for example and they'll always use it or maybe they'll give it away as a gift or something but it's just something really special that um, holds a good memory I think. We're extremely lucky to get James Otter of Otter Surfboards up from the southwest this year James makes uh, beautiful wooden surfboards and as he says, we're not anywhere near the sea really, let alone a surfing festival, but we are very much a festival of making and we're particularly pleased to get James this year because he has just been the subject of Dan Kieran's brilliant new book, The Surfboard. Dan is the chief executive of Unbound Publishers and you may indeed have heard me interviewing him on this podcast, but here is James talking. So I'm James Otter and I run a company called Otter Surfboards where we design and make wooden surfboards and at The Good Life we've got to stand at the back of the speaker's tent because we're involved in a couple of the talks um, and we're just kind of showing our wares. We bought essentially most of the workshop from Cornwall with us um, Yeah, and we're just making wood dust ultimately out of surfboards. I started the company back in 2010 um, and started it kind of making surfboards to order um, after spending a few years myself figuring out the best way to make them um, out of wood. 
and it developed really because we started running our workshop courses um, and so people would come in and we'd teach them how to make surfboard and make a surfboard in a five-day course and that really transformed the business because suddenly I got a hell of a lot more out of it. I was really enjoying making surfboards but by interacting with people and teaching them and giving something to them um, and seeing how they grew in confidence and their abilities was just incredible and it, yeah, it's just that's been our real focus for the last seven, eight years now. So. Ever since I was a kid, I can remember being fascinated by woods, trees, sticks, like every, anything to do with the woodland. Um, so, and I've always enjoyed making things out of wood. And then through school and university kind of pursued that love of making things um, and studied a degree at Plymouth in, uh, in designing and making. Was heading into furniture design and making um, and saw and was into surfing as well and saw some wooden surfboards like, like in the kind of global press and, uh, and thought I've really got to have a go at that and made the first one and I enjoyed making it so much because the excitement and the anticipation of what you were making, like it wasn't just a chair or a table, which are fun and great, but ultimately there's, no, there's not the same enjoyment in the, in the end use. So um, once I'd made that first surfboard, I was like, no matter what, this stays in my life somehow. Yeah, this is our first time at The Good Life and um, it's, it's, I'm really loving the buzz about the place. Um, there's a lot of people who are obviously kind of coming here to get inspired or just do as themselves and it's just yeah it's just a really exciting place to be I'm quite I'm kind of surprised because we weren't sure we've obviously driven all the way up from Cornwall um, and just weren't sure how we'd be received because surfboards don't necessarily sit that great up in near Chester um, but uh, but it's it's I think it's pretty perfect really it's all outdoors enjoyment it, because it's our first time at the festival I think we we we're enjoying the kind of the evening of, um, of just unwinding after a day of being in, in, the, in our tent. Um, but the talks that have gone on in our speaker's tent have been, have been pretty mind-blowing. There's only three yesterday, but each one of them we kind of sat down and really engaged with. And it's, I think it's really lovely in the way that it brings those things together because people often think of a festival as somewhere that you just go and listen to great music and have a few beers with your friends. But actually bringing that more wholesome element in is really, yeah, it's really lovely and um, it makes the whole thing really enjoyable. So at the minute we're just launching some paddle boards, some stand-up paddle boards. Um, we've been developing them for nearly two years now. Um, that's our next kind of thing really, because we find where we are down in Cornwall, we all love to surf and we've got other items in our range that are all about surfing and enjoying the waves. But actually when it's flat, we'll either go for a swim or we'll go paddle boarding. And we kind of thought, well, why not take what we do in the surf world and apply it to paddle boards and see where we go. Um, so yeah, we've got those on the cards. And really for us, it's just, it's about figuring out how to get more people through the workshop because for us that's the enjoyment um, is sharing what we do so with the paddle wars we run a, we've now got like a seven day course for those so yeah it's developing um, and things are always changing and it's yeah it's a fun journey to be on. And here here is Harriet Riddle who is one of our 60 or so craftspeople and this year she's doing portrait stitching at The Good Life. My name is Harriet Riddle and I am doing pedal powered stitched portraits. My subject uh, can pedal the bicycle and that generates electricity which goes into my sewing machine. And as they're pedaling away, I stitch them using a one line uh, free motion embroidery technique. And they talk to me about themselves, and I hide little words within the piece. And I've got fabrics, which a big box of random fabrics, which I use to um, mimic what they're wearing, or I plique on to match what they're wearing. 
Well, my grandmother is a textile artist over in Canada and she's always inspired me, I suppose. So I've always seen textiles as an art form. Um, but I've loved drawing and grew up drawing and went to university, did a mixed media course, tried everything, experimented extensively, failed massively, until I found this stitch style uh, in the life drawing room. My very clever teacher at Hertfordshire said, why don't you bring your sewing machine into class and stitch the naked models? So I did, much to my classmates' dismay, in the silent classroom, and found my voice immediately. So that went on to taking the sewing machine to the laundrette, on the train, in the pub, and just sitting there and freestyle stitching what I could see and hear and making these narr narratives of the world around me in stitch. Initially, when I was in my, during my degree stage, I was always looking for a plug. It was sort of my little emblem plug, always looking for electricity, and a table and a chair. But eventually, I worked out that I could use motorcycle batteries and an inverter and travel with a table and a stool. So I took that to India, went to the tops of the Himalayan mountains and the tea fields and markets in Delhi and would just set up and stitch wherever I wanted. But I was limited to the power uh, the motorcycle batteries had, which would need recharging. So I had about six hours. Um, so then I developed this bicycle idea. So I've got, I've got endless pedal power as long as I have a, a wonderful... Uh, volunteer for an act of kindness. <laughs> um, before the festival even started, I thought this is um, going to be a, a great weekend, and it has. The people have been amazing, and uh, so such positive response to my work, and I've enjoyed exploring, although I haven't had an awful lot of time because I've been handcuffed to the sewing machine. Um, but yeah, it's been beautiful. I love the dogs around and um, yeah, it's really nice. So many talented makers are here also, which is nice. The way I'd summarize this festival to a friend uh, who had never been, I'd say it was unlike any other in the way that it's more of a um, lifestyle festival. It's about life choices rather than focused on the music, although there is amazing music here. It, it's more than that. There's like goes from the food to the art and the talks and um, maybe the way people will aspire to live and may not necessarily have that kind of outdoorsy element in their lives but it's, um, yeah it brings everything together and a lot of people here are obviously like keen outdoorsy people um, and yeah I think it'll appeal to a lot of different people actually. Alice Holden is one of the Do Books authors do Grow is one of her books and we sell it in a couple of our shops and it always does well. And in fact, the Do books are really a badge of quality, as you may well know. And Alice was speaking at the Good Life Experience for the first time this year and so here she is. Hello, my name's Alice Holden and I've just done a talk in Speaker's Corner um, about urban farming because I'm head grower for growing communities Dagenham Farm and I grow food for my living in London. I grew up on an organic farm in West Wales so I didn't do a good job at rebelling um, but probably my earliest memory relating to food growing is my dad paying me 2p a row 
to weed carrots um, and the rows were as far as you could see so I think <laughs> we were mugs as children but um, <laughs> it didn't put me off. From growing up on an organic farm I, was, I think I was really lucky to grow up having lots of space and um, time in nature. A lot of it was on my own, um, in my own world and I think that had a big impact. Um, uh, it's something I've always craved and I, I think maybe it's led me into my current career where I'm immersed in the natural world, um, literally up to my elbows in soil every day. <laughs> and I suppose my work now wants to enable other young people to have um, a relationship with a place, even if that place is um, not theirs and even if they only visit it occasionally in the city. Uh, my talk today was about growing food in London and um, how the trade model that growing communities has set up enables um, sustainable farmers like me to have um, markets where they're paid a fair price for what they grow, which enables us to keep farming and ho hopefully solve um, the bigger picture problems of long term, how we're going to provide good organic food for our cities. Uh, this is my first time at the Good Life Festival and it's really great to be here and I'm just about to go and explore and hopefully find a swimming lake and jump in. It's such a beautiful setting. I heard some brilliant speakers in Speakers Corner um, talking about woodland and nature um, and lots of things that relate to my work so I want to go and check out their books and lots of the cooks as well um, and eating the wonderful food um, but I would also like to check out some of the cookbooks. And finally, the Signe Johansson. Uh, she was doing, I think, one of her first ever cooking demonstrations, and certainly her first cooking demonstration on a campfire. Her book is absolutely brilliant, and she was one of the many speakers who I know really loved the festival and hung around for the weekend. And so here is Signe talking to Jim. Um, so my name is Signe Johansson, and I've been doing a demo at the Campfire Cooking Fire Pit. I was cooking from my latest book, Solo, The Joy of Cooking for One. Um, obviously, uh, cooking on a campfire for one is not that common, but um, since we had a, a, an audience to feed, I made courgette fritters with lemon parmesan and ricotta and served it with some uh, campfire tomatoes that had been grilled on the flame. And um, yeah, it seemed to go down well. The campfire cooking um, pit, I guess you could call it, or the corner, uh, is a live fire and it's quite big. It's in the middle of, um, I guess, the entrance of the festival and you have an audience that's quite interactive so the audience sit quite close up and, and some of them like to get involved. They, uh, they come in and help with the cooking. So it's, it's a pretty interactive, cozy, informal uh, setting for cooking. So my earliest memories of cooking were uh, on my grandparents' farm on the west coast of Norway. And so we grew up, at, at all of us grandchildren helped with the, uh, the picking, the foraging, the kind of harvesting of, of fruit and vegetables. So actually it was a pretty hands-on experience when we were kids, like learning about nature and the seasons through really just eating. Um, and so that was, uh, it was an education in itself, which I didn't really come to appreciate until I was much older. <laughs> My influences in food are really diverse uh, because I grew up in Norway, so obviously Scandinavian influences, you know, the kind of traditional cooking of, of the women mostly, so it was women who did the cooking in the Norwegian households until recently. And, um, but obviously also looking further afield, my mother's half American, half British, so obviously British influence, you know, kind of Yorkshire puddings, roast beef, um, like kind of traditional apple pies, that kind of thing. I love that. I love classic British food. And American food, of course, I love like trashy things like marshmallows on a fire, which we, uh, which we just done today. And 
um, yeah, kind of simple home homespun barbecue style cooking is really just great. Yeah. So this is my first time to the Good Life Festival, and uh, it kind of ticks all the boxes for me. It's got nature, the outdoors. It's got um, arts and crafts and things like forging of um, metals, which is really interesting. So I, I'm definitely keen to learn more about how to you know make things, um, but also doing things like outdoor activities like canoeing, tree climbing, archery. Yeah, I mean it's like it's like being a big kid. <laughs> I, I guess people are really looking for more community-based uh, activities that they can do. You know, we live in a world in which people feel quite atomized and maybe alienated from each other. So actually this festival does a really great job of kind of bringing people together, obviously, but also um, by kind of making things together and doing things and experiencing things, you know, whether that's like simple things like tree climbing or, you know, archery or um, throwing a pumpkin or, uh, you know, making some, some sort of crafty thing. Um, that seems to just, I don't know, it just kind of, it's a good way of breaking down barriers between people. So you can actually make, meet like-minded people or, you know, just like strangers and, and yeah, have a good time with them. The next project I'm working on is a drinks book. It's called Spirited, The Joy of Drinks. And it's a, basically a book on drinks for cooks. So people who like to cook and also want to pair their dishes with, you know, delicious homemade uh, cocktails or infusions. Um, they're both non-alcoholic and alcoholic. So there's a, a mix, of, you know, something for everyone. And it's just a good way of kind of using ingredients that you have in your kitchen and just thinking about fermentation and all these sort of old school uh, methods of, of preserving things and doing yeah creating flavors out of wild ingredients right well that's it for edition one i hope you've enjoyed that i hope it gives you a flavor of the good life experience please try and come one year we would love your support and we very much hope that you'll join us in 2019 there will be more of these podcasts coming soon but for now thank you very much for listening Thanks to Jim for doing all the hard work and I will see you soon. Thanks. Bye.